Welcome to Lore Citizen, a podcast dedicated to all things Star Citizen lore. If you enjoy this, make sure that you like, subscribe, and follow all of our social medias. Without further ado, let's get started. Hello and welcome back. It's been a long time. It's been several months since we've done one of these Lore Citizens. We've been trying to get... To put some perspective, we've been trying to get together to do Lore Citizens since, like, January. And since these are once-a-month things, it's kind of hard to do sometimes. Um, it's slowly I, becoming quarterly, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I, I'd, I'd like to do it more often. But, I mean, the problem is is that the times we usually do this is usually mid-afternoon for me, like right after I get off of work. Then for jail, it's the ungodly ass-crack of the morning. Um, and for, for uh, like, in terms of, like, super super late at night. And for uh, yeah, it's like midnight. Yeah, and then for for Al, it's like five a.m. So <laughs> yeah, if we, if we do it at a normal time, it's five a.m. We're 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 a bit later today. It's um super late for jail because it's yeah. like um eleven o'clock in the morning for me now. So um yeah. <laughs> so let's get started with the the theme for today. Of of course, I'm just going to go over what with what, what Lore Citizen is. If you've never seen this before or listened to this before, Lore Citizen is where. We talk about lore, Star Citizen lore. Um, us three are all lore aficionados. We all do lore content in our own ways. So we get together and just talk lore. Uh, sometimes we have good themes where we're talking about a specific event or 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 chronology or whatever. But today is just kind of a fun day. We're just kind of doing something that was fun. Originally, the, the plan was to have Space Tomato come on and we'd all pitch him these ideas for these various people and he would judge which one he thought was the most interesting. So now it's you. The, the listener and the viewer get to choose which of these three is the most interesting. Um, so whoever, whoever and uh, jail, I'm sure will pay top dollar for anyone voting for his, <laughs> his choice. <laughs> Remember, I'm not about buying votes. <laughs> he'll, 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 tra- he'll translate whatever you like into, into, you know, Zian or, or Banu or maybe even Tavaran. That would be a challenge because I don't think there's Tavaran language yet. Yeah. And remember, Al is a uh, is is old man Hurston, so he has all of the money. That's right. That's right, <laughs> right, right Polly. You know, you you know, you know how it goes. All right, let's get started with uh, speaking of Al. Let's, let's start with you. Who is your 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 interesting person? Who is the most interesting person you're going to bring to the verse for us to talk about today? He's actually a nobody, an ordinary every day every day ship captain, Captain Laramie Stevens of the Solomon. Ship captain from around 2779, 74, 99, etc. He was working through the Bremen system. Uh, he'd been mining. He'd been picking up uh, minerals from, you know, doing mining and in the asteroid belts around there. And he was returning to Ritif, um to deliver his cargo. And he sent out a distress signal. People responding to his distress signal uh Got there, there was nothing. No ship, no wreckage, nothing. A salvage operator later discovered the black box and handed it in. And the black box uh, reports that as he was returning, he was attacked by unnamed pirates. They couldn't identify the pirates from the black box there. Uh, identifiers were off. No one was ever punished for it, for the uh, attack. Um, Proto-life declared that the ship had been destroyed. But, as I said, no wreckage has ever been discovered. What makes this interesting, though, is approximately every 10 years, 
uh, people in the uh, uh, Bremen Defence Force or um, pilots who are out get a distress signal and they go to check it out. And it's always from Captain Stevens of the Solomon, always declaring that he's under attack and needs assistance. But when the pilots arrive, or when help arrives, there is nothing. No trace, no ship, no wreckage, no pirates. Narrow scans, broad scans, everything is empty. And we don't know, he's, he's a mystery. One um, in-character uh, guy who tried to assist him, Ptolemy Winsome, asked, is he stuck in the third dimension? Is he stuck, unable to get out, stuck in the, in the never of, the, of a jump point, popping out just briefly every so often before he's sucked back in? So that's my interesting character. Oh, and that comes, by ship. the way. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, that goes, yeah, that goes um, from the Spectrum uh, series, The Untold Tales, which is an in-game in um, show, a bit like, you know, Untold Mysteries of a World or, or anything like that. So nice. uh, there's a whole series of these types of stories in The Untold Tales, but this is quite an interesting one, I think. So, see, I, I always do like a, a spooky mystery uh, series for lore at the end of uh, end of the year. I'm going to have to go through the Untold Tales. I did, forgot those exist. I'm going to go through those and get them for good ideas. But Yeah, um, and, and these these didn't come out as, as part of the Halloween series. The, the story from um, the Untold Tales, the Unanswered, this was the Unanswered Cry. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was first published in June 21st, 2017. Okay, nice. So they're not even, they're not even, these aren't even Halloween stories. These are just stories of weird things that are out there. Um, but it really picks up what people say. I think an interesting sci-fi, I, th I think an interesting sci-fi theme that it, it, it plays on with Star System though, uh, you know, very recently we've had all the lore about, you know, regeneration and people are like, oh, it's just space magic. But, and people also talk about AI a lot. The, the humans of Star System seem really like accepting of technology that they don't actually understand, like jump points. They don't really fully understand them, mm. but they use them. And regeneration, whereas like they're deathly afraid of the AI of AI, which they kind of do understand and did create. I I, I always kind of funny they have like almost a blind spot to things that they don't yeah. understand. It to me it kind of picked up uh, themes that have been uh, just just explored at least in I think Star Trek has, has explored this type of thing. B five certainly did. Mm -hmm. uh, I think we saw it in kind of uh, the Nostromo or the ghost ship kind of out coming out of the, the hyperjoint a hundred years later or whatever it was. And yeah. but B5 kind of had it where you know the ship was in the the exploration ship was stuck in the in the the jump point, and they had to try and get it out. And it was uh, so it's all of, it's kind of mixing all those types of things. But the thing that really uh, gets me with this is just, we just don't really know, and and it's really picks up things that I, was in a, I think it was a live stream with you when we were with Croncy the other week or when I was doing something with Inferunners. People were saying, oh, are we going to have these kind of Bermudary triangle things or mysteries? And we said, oh, yeah, well, there are missing ships, but this is an example of them. Mm -hmm. there's, there's, and there's other stories in the Unanswered Cry, like there's one about coming home, uh, which is a really interesting one as well, about someone guy who was fighting the Vanduul in Caliban. Mm -hmm. so, Quite a few mysteries that we just don't know the answers to and leave us wondering. Excellent. Jail. 
I'll get on to you with your your most interesting person or people. My most interesting person, um, I, I'm I'm going to, have to say it's Asif Reader, but I think that you need his two compatriots along with him. So it's really a trio of people, and they're the trio who founded Rayari Incorporated. Who you might know from exploring Microtech. They've got a lot of stations across there. So. I want to take it back to 2778, and the Empire is in a period of instability that we'd later recognize as like the start of its decline, uh, the start of its fall. Uh, so it's 21 years after Antony Tanaka got publicly executed for, um, for like disobeying an order, and that kind of spark has grown into like a widespread civil dissent. And the Imperator, Ulysses Mess X at the time, uh, he was just obsessed with the idea that he could like build his way out of this crisis by making lots of nice architecture, including uh, the Cano Stadium, which he thought, oh, everyone's going to unite behind me as soon as I complete this stadium, which was completely delusional. But he was, at least was um, kind of sane enough to recognize that it's still a few years off, I need something to tide me over, and said, right, University of the UE, give me something good, make it quick, and I'll give you all the money you need to do. So meanwhile, you've got these three young research scientists slogging away in a lab the agricultural department at U Park, which is in um, the May, uh, the mental system, uh, racial system, sorry, the racial system. And it's kind of like MIT crossed with DARPA. It's all where all the, the black site projects happen. Um, it's a really kind of like hardcore physics university. Um, but they're in the agricultural department, and you've got Edward Kesselman, who's this biochemist, Clara Douglas, who's an agricultural biotechnologist, and Asif Reader is this geneticist. And together, they're working on some preservatives project. But they drop that. They go, it's not going anywhere. There's this big money to do something cool. Let's get their heads together, come up with an idea. So they start talking about things they know. And Clara had come up, come from Hyperion, which is this um, planet in a pirate system. Uh, it's the only pirate system that's officially claimed by the UEE. And uh, it had been a terraforming disaster. So it was just a windswept desert. Nothing really grew there, apart from like one plant, which was from Terra, and it was uh, an Altrucia tree, and when it was planted there, it rapidly adapted and became this tree that was known as the Revenant tree. And um, Edward contributed to the conversation by talking about a 19th century practice that was really common in vineyards, where they would uh, there was a problem with aphids, and if you took the grapes from the plant you wanted to grow and grafted it onto a root which was resistant to aphids, you'd have this aphid-resistant tree with all the properties you want. So they thought, hang on, what if we could do this on a bigger scale, or on a, even on like an alien scale? We take a crop that we want and grow it on the roots of something that can grow on that planet. So if possible, this wouldn't just be, you know, this, this kind of flash-in-the-pan morale booster that the emperor want. It could really revolutionize human colonization. So happily, they were, their project was selected, and even managed to survive through the coup that deposed Ulysses, because um, most of the government was just trying to keep their head down, because Linton Messer was like purging left and right, so everyone was just sort of, don't bother him, so they managed to sneak through. However, what really killed it off was uh, Garen II, but not Garen II as you're thinking about it. So um, they basically pinched Asif Reader from the team to go on the team that would study Garen II. Guarantee should be familiar to you by now. It's the planet where the Empire massacred the indigenous life, leading to the revolution. Now, something I didn't really appreciate from that is that the general public knew about the sentient life that had been discovered there, and the Emperor was actually boasting that they're going to uplift them. Now, Asif was certainly caught up in what happened, because he'd been selected to be part of the team to study them. 
So Rita, as part of this Shahalis team, spent years studying the planet, studying its life, and they were being really strict not to interfere with the sentient life that was there because they didn't want to affect their culture because they were technologically primitive but like cultured. So unfortunately, the emperor got bored and greed prevailed. What really broke um, Shahalis, who was this team leader, was that the um, emperor's chief advisor and cousin, because that's how the messes do, uh, was leading a tour of the planet in full view of the aliens, breaking all the careful quarantine they've been practicing for years, and pitching it for sale to corporate interests, uh, even joking where they'd put their summer house. So Chehalis, uh, who's the team leader, he went and leaked the news to press and ended up in an Empire's Light conversion center on Charon for his bravery, having been betrayed by one of his team. Now, it's not explicitly clear what Reader did next, um, he spent years on this project, and he certainly didn't do anything proactive because the whole team was sort of terrified into silence. But it's not likely that he's the one that betrayed Shahalis. Um, But three years later, terraforming would start on Garen 2, and somebody uh, leaked footage of the dying natives to the anti-Mesa group Tide. And it kind of seemed like the Emperor was just hoping that people would forget that he'd promised that he was going to be uplifting these people, or not care enough, or otherwise be able to cover up. But he was wrong, and that's when the messes fall. So in the wake of the revolution, the three scientists came together, so that's Edward, Clara, and Asif, uh, once more, and they started a private business together, Rayari. Now, Rayari was originally just going to be a think tank, um, working ideas to sell rather than having a particular product. But their big break would again actually come from Garen 2. The Senate had announced a plan to restore Garen 2 and uh, undo that devastation they'd caused by terraforming, uh, which was a huge opportunity for the new scientific venture, but it was also a personal opportunity for Asif Reader to atone for his part in, m- not maybe not what he did, but maybe what he didn't do to stop it. So in 2803, Riyari really burst into everyone's public consciousness because they revealed plants that they'd adapted through that earlier idea they'd been working on that could that were the indigenous life of Garantu, faithfully reconstructed from the notes that, and the samples they'd taken, but grafted onto roots that could grow in the contaminated soil. This was a success and is now like rolled out across Garantu. So uh, in the 90 years since the last founder died, the company has become a lot more commercial under new leadership, but it's part of their charter. They still spend lots of R&D. So that's part of why you see it all across Microtech, because it's, it's all in keeping with this idea that they're the leaders in making plants grow in hostile environments. And I think that the reason why I think that they're really important, really interesting, is because it really mirrors um, like Norman Berlag, um, who was a, a real scientist who saved a billion lives on Earth by the ideas that became the Green Revolution in the 20th century. And he's not a household name, but he's probably saved more lives than anyone else that you in, in history. And I kind of really like the way that that's it's I really like the way that the star system storytelling of this is saying there was this big thing which is called the revolution, but there's lots of little stories that thread through it in their own way being touched by it. And it's all these little threads which I think actually make a very kind of cohesive story. Yeah, I agree. That's that's very cool. Like that's something I had, had never heard of. I hadn't gone through the Rayari mm. stuff. That makes a lot more more sense, as as Al was saying earlier. You know, um, you 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 always wonder why why did the, why guarantee was that why was that the straw? Why was that 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 straw that broke the camel's back? And it's like, oh, it's because 
Linton Linton all over himself as as Linton has wanted to do because <laughs> Linton was an idiot. <laughs> like the more you learn about it, the more you just like this 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 guy was a, a petulant child with a with a with an atomic bomb, uh, <laughs> which which is always a nasty thing to have. So it, it it kind of if you pick up the uh, the Romanesque images of of the Empire, it kind of does feel like this um, almost like a. a a Nero type character, doesn't he? He's kind of this. Mm-hmm. Oh, I want, I want to be a, an artist. I want to do this. So I'll, I'll change my mind. I'm doing this. So, you know. So yeah. Really, I, I always read. Across. I read Linton more as the Caligula to Ulysses Nero. Yeah. You know, Ulysses, Ulysses was fiddling with architecture while the empire was burning, whereas Linton was the one who was, yeah, you true. know, ma- making it, making his horse the chancellor kind of thing. Yeah. But, but we often look at Rome and we say, oh, you know. Um, Nero built the, not the, built the Colosseum, but he didn't. He built this massive palace. The only mm-hmm. thing in the Colosseum that links back to Nero is that massive statue of Nero that's out the front. <laughs> because the Romans, the next emperor, basically built the temple and built the, built the Colosseum to kind mm-hmm. of almost wipe anything from Nero off the face of the map. But but yeah, it's, it's kind of that. You can kind of see those, those threads of Rome coming through and, and really, I really like... strongly in the history. I also like the, your mention of um, what, what was his name? The from from historical that that's kind of a parallel to of the Green Revolution. Mm-hmm. Oh, Nor- Norman Borlaug. Um, because that, that's that's something that Star Citizen lore does a lot, where they'll they'll take someone or something that's like maybe obscure or someone in history which not everyone knows about, and then use them as a basis for their own storytelling, weaving it into the story in a way that makes sense, and then adds to the overall blanket that is the lore. Um, yeah. So, I I feel my like I feel like mine is just underwhelming now because <laughs> I'll I'll start with mine. Wait, well, uh, you always start off small and then you get the pinnacle and then you kind of yeah you know, yeah. Uh, so uh, I'm gonna tell you a tale about ego, about avarice, about flying too close to the sun. A modern day Icarus in. Mr. Russell Vallum. Now, Russell Vallum graduated high school, passes equivalency at 12 years old. He attended a handful of universities in Redder and completed a triple doctorate by the age of 24. He received a, uh, a, a, a illustrious grant for his dissertation entitled The Theoretical Applications of Antimatter Propulsion. He was a firm believer in expanding human horizons. He had a passion that basically said, we are limited by jump points. We need to control our own destiny. He, he, he's famous as saying, like, there could be a, a system closer to Seoul than Croshaw that has a vast interstellar civilization that we will never see because we don't have FTL. We don't have the ability to get to them because they don't have a jump point attached to them. And he, his ideas were seen as extreme, but he was very dedicated. After he became very dedicated, he was incredibly smart, incredibly good at his job. And so a lot of people feedently um, kind of 
agreed with him. So he sequestered himself after making a big stink about this in the scientific community and gathered data from any source he could find on this and was privately funded by um, uh, by the Banu, by Banu uh, merchants, by Banu companies and the Xi'an government, as well as the human government. And in this, he even was able to get access to controversial experiments done by the Messers, like unethical experiments done by the Messers on FTL. And so finally, in 2882, 10 years after he started this, he emerged, not as the same kind of uh, quiet, confident, um, but shy of the limelight kind of genius, but a madman. Uh, bold and and paranoid. <laughs> he thought he had sus- conquered the, the equation. He knew it, it to be true, and he desperately tried to not let anybody else steal his ideas. So he gathered the press and famous people from Spectrum and 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 the government to what witness as he built what he called the chariot engine. And the chariot engine he installed into his own ship. And uh, he called it a testament to the brilliance of, of um, Nick Croshaw, as well as a condemnation of the shackles of his discovery brought upon humanity. Um, because he did, he, he did this in the Croshaw system, in Angeli. He unveiled his chariot on the chariot. He got aboard the ship, pushed away from the station, and said, I leap forward to unveil the universe. And the explosion was so massive, it nearly killed the entire station. Hundreds of people were, were killed. Dozens of people were injured. And it was a mind-boggling failure. Because he was so paranoid about his technology falling into his rival's hands, he had never tested the technology. He'd only run simulations and was like, the math works, the math works. And um, the the best part about this is that at the end, the celebrated satirist um, Lassie Hartwell, who was just starting his career as a journalist for the Terra Gazette, summed up the display with what would become his signature type of humor. While the scientific community and Spectrum representatives had probably turned out expecting a failure, there was a small part in all of us that was hoping for something monumental. On the bright side, Dr. Vallum's engine and ship exploded faster than any ship I had ever seen before. That's... Very droll. That's... That's, uh... That's Dr. Vallum. Dr. Vallum, the genius who blew himself up. Because of a, in defense, in defense of Doctor Valum, how can we be sure that that isn't how it's supposed to work? Working exactly. as intended, you know. Th- was there a ship left over at the end? Well, <laughs> were, were, were the damage? Did they pick up any any um, any remains? No. Was that just explosion? Just the ship going into the next dimension or going to the next system and going faster than light? That's true. There there and, are only there and, were. There were only a few remnants of the ship left. There were only bits and pieces. So if the ship had gone actually gone FTL, it may have just been things. Yeah, lost a tire, lost a lost a heat tile or something like that as it was going, and it 
lands in the new system and I crap, I've got no fuel left or I crap. <laughs> I'd like to imagine that he's he he's managed to crack getting up to light speed, but he's still working on getting back down to regular speeds. It's like where's the <laughs> <He's stop? still> <laughs> Oh, it's uh, he's he's a fascinating guy because because whenever I heard that I I I just I just imagine this like absolute madman blowing himself up for science. It's literally the for science boom kind of meme right there. So um, I I got images of uh, Doctor Emmett Brown. Yes, where we're going, we don't need jump points. Uh, <laughs> I think it's interesting that. The three of us have been asked to choose the most interesting people. We've all kind of chosen people who, in, in one way or another, failed. Yeah. Like, yeah, you got you got somebody who you know got lost. You got someone who blew himself up, and and my you know my guy he he maybe the most successful of them, but he still accidentally was involved in a genocide, <laughs> and like his life dream of science kind of turned into someone's business. You know, it's, yeah. There, there's all a bit of um, pyrrhic victory to everything. I, I actually like the the idea that uh, your your character is actually bookended by two characters who seem in some sense to be lost in the ether yeah. uh, of, of, uh, of the jump points or the third dimension, because we don't know what happened to, to Leonard, um, to, you know, to, to, to Captain, I've even forgotten his name. He's, so, he's such an ordinary guy. Um, <laughs> of the Solomon. Doc, uh, uh, the Captain uh, of the Solomon. Yeah. So his ship's called the Solomon. So we remember the ship. I can't remember his name. Laramie Stevens. Laramie Stevens. Stevens. Stevens, Stevens of the Solomon. I, um, I, I, I will say, I, I will say this though. I think, I think, I think that failure is more interesting than success because in failure you can like, like with with Doctor Valens, you can fail doing something insane, and with you know with with. Um, with the, the founders of Rayari, it was failing, daring to do something crazy and something new, um, and only kind See, of I, getting I, ca- caught up into a into a, a into a, a, a. Whereas with Stevens, I actually like, think he succeeded. Yeah, he succeeded in escaping the pirates. That I think he was a very. Ship. But the problem is, was a... he stuck. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, both, both of yours are very kind of like Xi'an folk stories because a lot of Xi'an folk stories end with the the heroes kind of going off into time immemorial and not being dead but like being mm-hmm. out of time sort of like King Arthur you know like yeah. one day King Arthur will return and set everything right so I think I think uh, any Xi'an listening will love both of those those stories there we go because both well, those people could come back you know I mean, it's very appropriate that Dr. Valens was, was in, in fact funded by, by the Xi'an government. So it was, uh, it's, it, it works. All right. Well, that's, that's our, our shorter episode. Go ahead, Al. Well, in terms, in terms of um, Captain Stevens, he, he does keep coming back. At least his voice and his radio messages keep coming back. So, he, you know, it seems to say he is out there. Let me, let me put my just... tinfoil hat on. I've got a theory of, Dr. of Stevens. Stevens, <laughs> Stevens is actually an AI. Discuss. <laughs> <laughs> He's an experimental AI. We know that the 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 uh, the advocacy um, does have a chance does does have a chance of uh, murdering things they don't understand. Um, you know, those of you who've seen my episode on on Carrix and why they're cursed. Um, so who knows? Who knows? Doctor uh, Captain Stevens of the Solomon is the AI that's running the Solomon somewhere and constantly comes back, only to be snuffed you out. Take again. out those Carrix. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, um, Jail. Thank you, Al. Make sure you go follow their social medias. Uh, where can they find you, Jail? <laughs> just just put the link in the description. I'll put the re- link in the description as always. And and Al, when they can find, where can they find you? Um. Lawmasters, uh, the law, the law citizen podcast, um, occasionally <laughs> on, uh, occasionally on the captain's table, but usually on uh, info runners. Those, both of those links will be into the description below. And as always, you can find me twitch.tv slash the or youtube.com slash the or on podcasts or on anchor now, anchor.fm slash the And it's also on Spotify and a bunch of other places as well. So. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. And occasionally, and occasionally on Inforrunners as well. And occasionally on Inforrunners, <laughs> yes. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. And like I say every time, uh, remember, Existoria at Astra. Mm-hmm.